Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Another episode of the Roto World Football Podcast and Happy Holidays. Is that something to say around July Fourth? My name. It's not. Is, <laughs> my name is Josh Norris. Uh, he just ruined the surprise. That is also <laughs> Roto Pat. Uh, thanks for being with us. Today's just one episode because we have a lot of fun in store for you next week. Uh, a non-holiday week. Actually, some people are venturing, flying into Stanford, Connecticut. Well, not directly to Stanford, Pat, because. The worst part about living in Connecticut, and specifically Fairfield County, Connecticut, is location to the airport, distance to the airport. There's nothing convenient at all. I would say LaGuardia is not fully inconvenient. It's like an hour car ride. I mean, it's not – I wouldn't term it as convenient, uh, but I've had more inconvenient airport – well, I don't know. Maybe I haven't actually. Like Alaska? uh, I mean, the more you think about it and you're thinking about it right now, Pat, the more it seems like you're coming to my side of this equation. Like, say, when I stayed in Galway, Ireland, uh, the trip from the Shannon Airport was, you know, about 90 minutes. So that was more inconvenient. There are, there are certainly more conveniently accessed. Literally everywhere. Like, first, you're flying into LaGuardia. So that's bad. Second, yes. I always have to add 75 to to $100 there and back to my trip. Right. Yep. Because Even a cheap ride. Yeah. will be like 70 bucks. Well, because I have no one else in my life. My dog can't drive me to the airport, you know, so <laughs> I have to get a Lyft or an Uber or some other service that drops me off. Right. Also, you have to leave at least two hours, two and a half hours in advance. Right. Because who knows what the traffic is going to be going to LaGuardia. Hey, you sound like someone who needs to move to St. Louis. The land is cheap. The airport access is – I'm less than 20 minutes from the airport. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, the real estate, the rent, very low. Cost of living. So cons, you're living in St. Louis. Pros, <laughs> cost of living is extremely yeah. affordable. Yeah. How is your pitch going for Roto World Midwest? Is it going well? <laughs> well, you tell me. I mean, we have – how many different employees do we have from St. Louis still working for RotoWorld.com? Well, As the internet has found subject. out – uh, Evan Silva is now <laughs> dearly departed, but Drew Silva, Ryan Boyer, yeah. Nick Minzio, yeah. Nathan Grimm is a part-time baseball writer. Uh, so, you know, uh, 
I'm building the office brick by brick out here. Uh, do we have a physical office? No. Do we have spirit and spunk to match our uh, coworkers in Connecticut? I would say yes. And I would say we're the heart of the operation, just to be frank, what, of all of NBC what Sports. What would be the heart of, of our office there? Would it be like a foosball table? I've always been partial board? to ping pong. I've always been very oh, partial okay. to ping pong. Very good ping pong player. Um, very. I was always an intense ping pong player, but my friends were even more intense. Uh, one of my best friends in high school had just gotten a brand new table. And like that really like, gave you status in the group because then we could play ping pong at your house. Uh, and he was very good. But then the first day, uh, he lost a few games in a row and he kicked off the corner of the table and kind of nipped that in the bud for it even really could have developed into something special. Why don't we go all the way and just turn back the clock and make it very much like a Mad Men themed office, right? Where we just like smoke cigarettes on it, even though I, I do not smoke cigarettes. I, I bet you've no probably never smoked that. a cigarette if I know you, I never Josh. have. You're correct. <laughs> Let's not talk about other things, but no, I've never <laughs> smoked a cigarette. Um, and it has no interest, like no appeal to me at all, Pat. But also that means like we have beverage carts that go around that we would have to wear a suit every day and like gel our hair back and sleek it back and just be like awful people who don't treat other people with kindness. But I think that it would at least differentiate us from everyone else in that area. And I, I have a suit jacket that I wear sometimes a few times a year, so I'm very sophisticated. You know, I might even bring it to Stamford. I have no idea what our wardrobe is next week. Like, I never know if it's like, hey, button down, or we can just wear t-shirts under a sports coat. Yeah, and next week, I should mention that we are promoting and producing a whole bunch of videos. One section of that will be one burning question for every team in the AFC as we head into training camp. And you guessed it, we'll also do one for every team in the NFC, um, along with, you know, breakout candidates players that are drastically different in our rankings from analyst to analyst, so on and so forth. So be in the lookout for all those. And a lot of those will be in podcast form. Um, so we've got a bunch of good content for you. And if you enjoyed it at all, again, the best way you can help us is get one friend to subscribe, promote us. No one else does. So you do it for us. Thank you. <laughs> and I appreciate everyone that's done that so far. Uh, Pat, today, quick one. And I know we've already wasted six minutes. Not wasted. This has been a wonderful conversation we're having. But <laughs> I have been trying to come up with topics this offseason. And thankfully, at this time, I think I have uh, finished my entire list. Today's, Pat, is we all know the superstars in the NFL. Instead of talking about those superstars, because we talk about the superstars all the time, I instead wanted to look at, instead of the Batmans, I wanted to look at the Robins. I wanted to look at the sidekicks. So that's what we're going to do today, Pat. We're going to talk about the secondary players kind of working in the shadows of those superstars, but are not only relevant to winning football games on the field, but also relevant to us from a fantasy lens. Yeah, we should probably talk about uh, Will Fuller, talk about an alpha dog superstar. You have DeAndre Hopkins, kind of like the prototype for a number one right wide receiver, someone who can – a wide receiver can't really ever truly take over a game, but DeAndre Hopkins is one of the ones who can come close uh, – can have success with any quarterback as we've seen over his career. I believe uh, when he was a rookie, I believe he was catching passes from Vinny Testaverde and maybe Bernie Kozar. TJ Yates is kind of in that, in that yeah. world as well. So, <laughs> uh, Well, Bernie Kozar and Vinny Testaverde were at least at some point in their football playing lives good. So I don't know if TJ Yates, he did win a playoff game, I guess. Um, yes, he did. You know what makes 
DeAndre Hopkins's life, even as an, even as an alpha dog, number one wide receiver, it makes your life easier when you have a, a legit number two receiver, number two threat, especially one whose skill set kind of doesn't necessarily mirror yours, but kind of like supplements and complements it as a different kind of threat. And I mean, Will Fuller, so I just said DeAndre Hopkins is like a prototypical number one. I mean, Will Fuller could be like a prototypical number two, like someone who doesn't have the skill set to be a number one, but has some special traits. And, you know, if you're if you're looking for a good number two receiver, uh, having at least one special trait. So like a good number one will have a couple special traits. But a number two, if you have at least one, that kind of puts you ahead of the curve. And we know Will Fuller's speed is one of the most special traits in the entire NFL. But we know he can't stay on the field. His career high for games is 14. Uh, he's appeared in 14 games, then 10 games, then seven games. And I've always loved Will Fuller. Uh, he's always been a weirdly big touchdown scorer. And last year he was very efficient even. He was finally efficient. But my worry for Will Fuller this year, who's currently like the wide receiver 32, wide receiver 33 by ADP, even if he's healthy for week one, like Will Fuller's game, so much of it is predicated on his special long speed, where even if this injury only cost him like 5 to 10% of his speed, like that could be a big deal. Because we know he doesn't have the world's best hands, doesn't have the world's biggest hands. And to me, like he, any loss of speed could be very dangerous for Will Fuller. And he's kind of someone that I just don't know what to do with in drafts. I think wide receiver 32, probably yeah. appropriate, kind of in that low end wide receiver three because the, 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 the draft cost then isn't, you know, super prohibitive, but still like a lot of upside relative to ADP. He's a Robin that I don't know what to do with. So to me, he's the perfect best ball player, right? Like if, if you're going through best ball leagues, boom, you don't have to figure out when to play Will Fuller. I will say, Pat, he's also someone that when you put uh, beginnings and ends on his statistics and like look at it cer- in certain time frames, it's it can be difficult to nail down who he is exactly, right? Yes. But what we what we really care about is just who he is on the field when Deshaun Watson is on the field. But that hasn't happened all that often. Like I think, and correct me if I'm wrong. I believe they played three career games together. Um, yeah, but it is eleven games together, yeah, I believe. It's like and like that's it. Small still. Yeah, it's it's wild to think about. It's depressing. And in those eleven games, and and John Daigle wrote up the preview on the Houston Texans on Roto, and I'm going to be citing a whole bunch of those as we go on. But in those eleven games, Pat, again, just eleven games, forty-five catches, seven hundred eighty-two yards. And 14 touchdowns. 14 touchdowns in 11 games for a receiver that's what? 5'10", can run fast. and But even though if he doesn't make the big play, like over a 17 yards per catch average in those games, he was also used in like goal line and red zone situations too to create he like was. instant separation and, and win in the, with those elite separation skills. It's – I just hope – like if, if I had three wishes to be granted, honestly, Pat, one of them might be – and we're just looking at a football lens here. One would be LaGuardia being closer to me. Uh, <laughs> two would be Will Fuller and Deshaun Watson healthy for a full 16 games because magic could super could really, really happen because we know DeAndre Hopkins is going to produce with anyone. And this is an offense that can support two star wide receivers, I think. It is. Yeah, I just he's someone I would especially because I've owned him in Dynasty for now his entire career would really appreciate a full healthy season from Will Fuller. It's kidding. It's, it's just, it's really sad when you see someone who has a genuinely special trait, 
like in like we've said in his speed and they can't stay on the field. So yeah, you root for special players to stay on the field, just beyond the fantasy production, just beyond the real life production. So hopefully Will Fuller can stay on the field this season. It kind of puts the Texans in a tough spot, doesn't it, Pat? Like when you know you have a receiver who perfectly meshes with the quarterback you have in place, who's your franchise, right? Yet the two of them haven't played an awful lot of games together, either for the injuries to the quarterback or the injury to the wide receiver. So while you know that when healthy, it's a perfect dynamic to go along with DeAndre Hopkins, I guess you just keep having to recycle that hope that you have that both will continue to work together because it's it's difficult to find someone like Wolf or that's why you take him in round one, right? It's difficult to find someone like Deshaun Watson. That's why you take them in round one. But they have shown that neither can be healthy in some ways. And I'm not sure like that injury Deshaun label Watson is, is was perfect healthy for everyone. For 2018, we should say. Right. Um, right. But then Wolf Fuller wasn't. No. Oh, you're saying, yeah, yeah. So at the same time, it, it would certainly be nice. And that's kind of a phenomenon that's unique to football, like the year after year tease, just because the season is so, so short games wise. And then the so short, just time wise, you know, other sports, right. even if you're injury prone, like you can have a multi-month injury and still come back and get some, some reps, get some games under your belt that season. Whereas in football, if you get a two month injury, you know, it's almost like game over. So, and while Deshaun Watson was, quote unquote healthy he wasn't really healthy you know what i mean he took the bus to games like from place to place <laughs> you know like yes. he, he he was playing but he was he not was. healthy uh, yeah great this is a great offensive line play in front of him but pat look again we've seen breakout instances and in, like small sections of the season which i think we can kind of that's how we should view football in many ways and fantasy football like six game stretches four game stretches um but if that happens for a full 16 games with those three playmakers together uh, it could be one of the best passing offenses in the NFL. It could. And that's such a great point about fantasy football. It's a series of many seasons since everything is so context dependent. Or like even right. if you're healthy, like a teammate who's very critical to your success cannot be healthy. So that, that is a very interesting point and way to view a like, fantasy season. That, yeah, it's so many, many seasons within a season. Yeah. When we get to week 12, like I don't care what happened in week two. Like yeah. teams are so drastically different, both offensively and defensively that you're going. Yeah. And so much, even more than any other sport, so much depends on the schedule. You could just enter like a, a flukishly oh. difficult part of the schedule. Yeah. It's that's one. It's why it's such a difficult game and sport to predict is there are more variables in football with, with smaller sample size. So there's more variables than any other sport and there's smaller <laughs> sample sizes than any other sport, which makes it like a 16 quite games is already a small sample size. Yeah. Yes. And now we have 11 to go off of with these two. Yes. So it makes it quite difficult. Uh, okay, Pat, if Devonte Adams is Batman, I will nominate <laughs> Geronimo Allison as Robin. What's to say, which Robin are you going to nominate? Jamon Moore? Uh, well, who knows? Like Jake Kumbaro, we have no clue <laughs> in 2019. Hey, he's know? getting his usual uh, off-season plaudits. Jake Kumbaro, off-season right. legend. A lot of this comes from Rich Rebar's preview on Roto World right now. But in his career, Pat, Geronimo Allison only has 11 games playing over 50% or more of the snaps. Again, wild <laughs> to think about. But four of those happened last year. And in those first four games of last season – in three of those, Pat, he had targets of six, eight, and 11. Catches of six, five, and six. And in all four of those games, Pat, he had 64 yards or more and two touchdowns in four contests. The issue here, Pat, 
is that, again, we're banking on an injured player staying healthy and an injured player who is not necessarily on a long-term contract with the Green Bay Packers, um, hoping to keep out far in front of Equinemia St. Brown, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who, you know, if you look at their raw stats, didn't blow it up. But if you look at where they were drafted on the third day and compare that historically to players drafted in that time frame as rookies, did extremely well. Um, In those career 11 games, Pat, where he's played 50% or more, he has caught 43 of 67 targets, 648 yards, and three touchdowns. It's like 11-ish points per game on average. Right now, Pat, he's being drafted as wide receiver 48. That's after dudes like DK Metcalf, Emmanuel Sanders, D.D. Westbrook. Like, I I want to stack, and I probably won't get Aaron Rodgers because I'm not going to take a quarterback that early, but I would like to stack players on teams that might break through offensively. And I could see the Packers doing that. And again, at the wide receiver 48 value, to me, that I mean, that that's a no-brainer for someone like Geronimo Allison who could lock down the second receiver spot uh, opposite, if it's in the slot or outside, whatever, opposite Devontae Adams. Yeah, it is a total no-brainer. He's someone at worst is locked into three receiver sets. And someone, you know, so we're talking about it's an uncertain situation, but they didn't add anybody. Like they, they stuck with Correct. the same kind of unproven wide receivers. So that's a vote of confidence and all the guys you mentioned. And it, obviously this is one of the most easy bounce back offense predictions ever. You know, the, it's the, the Packers should never be as bad as they were last year. We know they're not going to be as bad as they were last year. And yeah, when you get someone with Aaron Rodgers, especially someone who's like 6'3", 6'4", like a, a big frame, an gr- amazing athlete, and playing with an amazing quarterback. And when you have someone locked in to that role and they're barely even going as a wide receiver four, I mean, even if you don't believe in the player, like it's just an easy, easy gamble to make. It's just an easy, easy upside bet to make. And because, I mean, if Geronimo Allison plays all 16 games, I mean, what are the odds that he would finish higher than the wide receiver 48? I mean – Almost a hundred percent, especially if he sees fifty percent or more of the snaps, right? Yeah. Like this is also something, Pat. Which he should, right? A month from now, I might be buying Equinemia St. Brown. You know, yeah, it's definitely one of those situations. Yeah, if St. Brown is running ahead of Geronimo Allison during training camp, and then we get to the first preseason game, second preseason game, he's doing the same thing. Okay, just change the name. I'll go back and edit all this and just change the name to ESB, <laughs> right? But. I'm basically buying a role here and from how he started the season looked great was producing and then had an injury that kept him out for the rest of the year. That's why to me, Geronimo Allison makes the most sense. And we know Aaron Rodgers; it's kind of all about trust with him and he's shown in the past to trust Geronimo Allison quite a bit. He has. And you know, there's the coaching staff. They were saying good things. Like they've been talking him up, which you know, a lot of people roll their eyes at, but uh, it's better to have positive coach speak about a player than like no coach speak about a player. So if I hadn't read anything about Geronimo Allison this offseason, like, oh, that's interesting that they're not feeling the need to puff up Geronimo Allison. But there was a lot of positive talk on Geronimo Allison this offseason. So it, to me, it's yeah. like even if you don't – even if you like you, know, you don't necessarily believe in the player. I mean we are talking about someone who, whose career high for receiving yards is like 300. So, yeah, you look at that role and you look at that draft price and it's just a no-brainer. Okay, Pat, who is the next Drax to the Star-Lord? i'll talk about calvin ridley i guess who's not really someone like you said not someone i really devote a lot of brain waves to but like someone you should devote brain waves to Uh, he was 
the wide receiver 28 last year by average points. He's currently being drafted as the wide receiver 21. And, you know, the correct narrative on him is that the touchdown rate is going to regress. He scored 10 touchdowns and only like 650 snaps last year, fewer than 100 targets. Uh, he had a number of like inordinately long touchdowns, I think four over 30, three over 40. Uh, as Raymond Sumlin wrote in his draft guide profile, he was, kind of, he was like freakishly efficient on red zone targets, like six of eight. So, you know, he's not going to score 10 touchdowns again. He might not even be put in position to score 10 touchdowns again. Uh, but I mean, he's kind of like a no-brainer, like volume increase. He did all that on only 92 targets, which was tied for 46th in the league last year. And this is an offense, you know, that didn't make any big additions, kind of remains like a narrow, predictable offense. Uh, he was, You know, we know he's the first-round pedigree. Uh, he looked like a first-rounder as a rookie. It's like an easy volume projection increase to maybe like 120 targets is probably a very realistic projection for Calvin Ridley. An offense that, you know, Dirk Cutter come in and is going to throw. I mean, they always throw a lot, but they're going to remain a throwing offense. And just kind of like someone again, or even if you don't necessarily love Calvin Ridley, don't think he's like a super explosive playmaker, even though he did make a lot of explosive plays last year. He's a good yak guy. Even if you don't like love the player, uh, the situation is like a, just a perfect like don't fade situation, like an e- a nice easy bet to make. And wide receiver twenty one, I feel like, is a very reasonable uh, price for him. A low yeah. end wide receiver two, right there on the wide receiver two three borderline. So again, a guy you might not think about a lot, but to me, like a very will be a very safe investment in fantasy drafts this summer. One, we think the Falcons are going to be better, right? I mean, they just they be. were dismantled by injuries last year defensively, and hopefully upgrade their offensive line, right? Two. Pat, this is Calvin Ridley entering his second year. I know he's like 29 already, but this is him entering his second year. <laughs> he's and, three years you know, older than year, Sammy Watkins. Um, at some point, Pat, when we make those jokes, people won't know when we're joking. I know. But <laughs> he- heading into last year, like we didn't know – like we know Julio's the alpha, right? We didn't know who the second one was, if it's going to be Muhammad Sanu or Calvin Ridley. And at times it was both, right? At times it was either or. Um, this year, Pat, kind of this offseason – a little bit of the narrative and the buzz has been like, hey, the Falcons are pretty cool just like moving away from Muhammad Sanu if someone wanted to trade for him. They obviously didn't. And I'm sure after investing a first-round pick in Calvin Ridley, like he – not that you know everyone is locked into a number one, number two wide receiver roles. But if you're looking at the passing game on paper, boom, Calvin Ridley's name stands out completely it does. as that second option. So we again, we saw like – you know. I wouldn't say inconsistent, but unsustainable breakout weeks that we had no idea we could predict them. I'm not going to say we're going to see those like a Wolf Fuller type each and every week, but if we kind of pair them off a little bit and kind of stretch that production over 12, 16 weeks, I think you get a very consistent player in Calvin really who can win from multiple alignments in an offense under Dirk Cutter now, I guess who has shown to have plenty of success with this quarterback. Yeah, to me, this is the easiest case to make for him is that he's a no-brainer volume increase. Like, he's going to get, like, in the 110, probably 120 target range, which would put him, in like, in the top 25. So even if he is held, like, six or seven touchdowns, I, he's going to make up for it with volume. And, again, what's a, going to be a prolific, probably pass-first offense. And, it, like you said, it was an offense last year It was kind of narrow – from a target distribution standpoint and like could be even narrower this year. So he, it's just a, a very easy role to bet on. Pat, if AJ green was Mario, Tyler Boyd is Luigi. 
Waluigi. Tyler Boyd wasn't even drafted last year in many fantasy drafts, right? I know because in a lot of leagues prior to his like ridiculous breakout, I was picking him up because he was having consistent production. He's an interesting story though, Pat, because a lot of times we talk about, you know, second wide receivers on teams coming into their own when the number one goes down, right? Because all the production is funneled to them. Pat, Tyler Boyd was like the opposite. In fact, his production and his volume dropped when A.J. Green went out of the lineup with a toe injury. So while A.J. Green was in the lineup, Pat, Tyler Boyd was having career highs, averages across the board in just about everything. On the season, I should say, he had 108 targets, over 1,000 receiving yards, and seven touchdowns. But Pat, what does that tell us? That a perfect world for Tyler Boyd is most likely confined to the slot, right? That he is best in that area, and that's where he wins. That means he's going to be a career Robin. That's fine. That's cool. That works with me. And it probably works with Zach Taylor. It probably works with Andy Dalton. And it probably works with AJ Green. Because we can only look at really perfect case scenarios. And a perfect case scenario, Pat, if this continues and if the Bengals improve, which I think is a given, then Tyler Boyd is in the role and is set up to be in the place where he succeeds best. Yes, there are no givens with Andy Dalton, as we know. Uh, but yeah, he was the wide receiver 20 by average points last year, Tyler Boyd. He's going as the wide receiver 28, which to me is an appropriate fade. People realizing that maybe last year was kind of like a – it wasn't – like you kind of laid out, it wasn't a best-case scenario year in that A.J. Green missed a lot of time, which kind of made the offense non-functional uh, when he didn't play. So that's kind of like the effect of losing like a weapon like A.J. Green. Sometimes you, you it's easy to view through the lens of, oh, this guy's out. Now those targets are freed up. Now this guy's going to get those targets, uh, money in the bank, where it doesn't always work that way. Where if you lose a high quality player, it, you know the a sinking boat uh, drowns all ships, kind of. Or not a, a lowering tide. I missed. We'll that. go I just, with that, Pat. I just butchered. We'll go with uh, that. <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> so yeah, hopefully we're, we don't see such long stretches of dysfunctionalness, dysfunctionality. Is I'm I'm going off the rails here, Josh, from the Bengals' offense this year. I have a lot of faith uh, in Bill Callahan's random son, offensive coordinator. There's always been a huge believer in Brian Callahan, who I knew existed <laughs> uh, before last winter, and I'm sure deserves the job. Um, but yeah, no, to me, uh, so he's someone I would fade a little off last year's results, but. Every year, the drafting public gets more sophisticated. And to me, they've built in like basically a, a perfectly reasonable fade on Tyler Boyd. And I think it's perfectly reasonable to expect him to be kind of a high-end wide receiver three who will have wide receiver two weeks, which was kind of the player you described uh, when you were talking about Tyler Boyd. And so, yeah, I th- he's another guy where I think his draft, his draft price is uh, where it should be right now. Like you said, wide receiver 28. But in many drafts, Pat, he's going behind like Mike Williams – He's going behind Sammy Watkins. And if we talk about like who has shown us what so far in their ideal situation, I think Tyler Boyd has shown more than both of those. You know, he was legitimately great last year. Yeah, he was legitimately great. He he was. Yeah, he he did what he the Bengals needed him to do. A lot of other Bengals did not do what the Bengals needed them to do. But Tyler Boyd did last year. I think we did it. Thanks for joining me. I hope you have a great fourth. Uh, I'm sure the little ones are fully aware of what's going on. My daughter, she's three now. She was afraid of them the first two Fourth of Julys. Uh, I'm excited for her odds of liking them this year, but you never really know with these these kids. You never know what they're going to do next. Are they going to be afraid of fireworks this year again? Josh, we'll, we'll find out tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping that, she that's likes That's me them. and roller coasters now. 
That's me and roller coasters. <laughs> like, used to love them, not anymore. Done with them. Uh, Pat, thanks so much. Everyone out there, thanks for listening. Uh, if you like us, leave a review, subscribe, share it with a friend. Again, sharing with a friend really, really helps us out. And we will be back with plenty of content for you next week. AFC, NFC, one big question for every team, plus a lot more stuff. So get ready, be prepared. We'll talk to you all early next week. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 